Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, I'm not gonna talk no, about. No, 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 no. Talk about it. Talk about yeah, it. No, I just mean like it. I've been to concerts that have been like, I don't really know the the guy's music, and then like four or five songs in, I realize like, oh, this isn't really for me. And then there's just like, yeah, you're just 20, 20 more songs happening, and it's like, oh, oh no, this is it's, this is no but, good. I mean, it's, it's seriously that dish air zone meme where it's like you can just hit the bricks, you can just fucking leave. Just I mean, I'm always go. with somebody. If I was alone, I would absolutely do that. If I was alone, uh, yeah. I probably wouldn't have gone in the first place because and I don't that's, generally that's, go to shows. That's that being I'm... a good good friend is going to shows even though you don't know the artist just just to be there with oh, a friend. That's eh, good. That's that's yeah, a pretty come big along. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a come along guy. Yeah, I love being a come along guy, and also like. Honestly, especially if your friends are there, there there are very few like really bad shows. I mean, unless you really hate the music. Yeah. Even the the word here's the thing though, like I don't I don't know if I've been to a concert where I've hated the music, but I have been to a lot of concerts where I just think nothing interesting is happening. And it's like oh, I yeah, am no. basically watching a, a movie that is it's like just flatlining, you know what I mean? Like for like right, two well, hours. I mean, that's exactly what I was referring to, right? Is that like yeah. it's it's a guy who is like who is like a semi semi good guitarist, but really sort of mediocre, and he's playing like pretty generic rock music. But he is also like a jam guy, and so all of his songs are like twelve minutes long, and it's like, yeah. all right, I'm, it's it's fine. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to narrow down who you must be talking about by that, but that's way too broad. Mm. You could be talking it's about very any broad. number of Come on, now, natives. Yeah. We're recording now. Jeremy Messersmith. Yeah, I wouldn't go to a Jeremy Mess. Jeremy Messersmith. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no I, insult I any mind. fans of the pod who are big. Jeremy Messersmith. No, just, I haven't heard that name in a while. Ever since I moved out of Minnesota, I haven't heard the I name. I liked that Jeremy one song that he wrote about fucking Frankenstein or whoever, but since then he sort of like adopted this Minnesota twee vibe. Can I diagram that, that sentence? Really into? Was it about you know, Frankenstein and you used the fucking as, as yeah, an amplifier? Yeah, that was a, just oh. a sort of a, yeah. It wasn't, um, a, the song is not about boning with Frankenstein. It might be about fucking Frankenstein. It might be about boning. Fucking, Isn't fucking, every song Frankenstein. About fucking Frankenstein. Every single Frankenstein song. Frankenstein has got to be the, 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 uh, uh, the horror, uh, what's the phrase? The, 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 the dark universe character uh, with, the, <laughs> with the worst like sex fan fiction. It's Frankenstein's got to be no, Dracula. What? Uh, Dracula? No, Dracula's up there. Dracula's like the best. Oh yeah, obviously. no, he's up there. But do- dog, like, have you seen Young Frankenstein? I was gonna say like, Young Frankenstein would have something to say about yeah, his that's, sex appeal. I, yeah, that's a he, different he, thing. He like Frank- with Frankenstein is text. That's what Mary Shelley was fucking writing about back way back when. Right. He's the original. I, I am not talking about the original. Fr- I'm saying Frankenstein is like a modern conception of ugh, shambling. You got one bolt sticking out of the head. Uh, yeah, Frankenstein in hard. like the book is like well spoke. It's like a whole different character. I'm talking about brainless zombie, uh, you know, whole different thing. That character. I yeah, just call doing like a yeah. dead. No, it's not. I'm just I'm stuck on like name another one. On name another one. The mummy definitely hotter. The mummy's definitely hotter. No question I about that. I agree with the that. A, the mummy's a freak. He's all wrapped yeah. up and shit. He's in the bondage. 
I mean, as me? Billy Zane, Billy Zane's pretty hot, but like, I don't <laughs> I'm know. I'm a fucking normal mommy, too. Not sure. in the real life. No, I will not like uh, disgrace cultural uh, artifacts so in that manner. But three people talking at once, and I heard you're none just of you're them. too you're too culturally sensitive. The wolf man, come on, Jason. You told us we didn't have to oh, mute anymore. Well. You should have known. Yeah, this is what you people are talking about when your mics are off. You're just kind of <laughs> behind your pops. Pop <laughs> yes, Jason. I got you, Jason. 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 On the on the topic of horny dreams. Uh, I want to yeah. thank you, listener, for good. listening to Try Love, a literal roundtable podcast about movies we saw or people we met at or through the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Try Love Podcast. You can find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org, where you can find tickets to showings and other cool ways to support the Trilon. Uh, my name is Jason Daphnis, and don't you think that uh, podcasts and the internet are... So, oh, no, I fucked that up. Don't you think that <laughs> dreams and podcasts are similar? They're both where the repressed conscious mind vents. Yeah, or I'm sorry, guys. Really going in I'll, go, I'll, I'll go on mute for the rest of the podcast, and you can find <laughs> me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. I'm really bummed that the segue had to be about being horny, but here goes nothing. I'm Cody Narvison. Audrey Hepburn is literally the woman of my dreams, and you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. Yeah. Hmm. I'm a child trapped in a genius's body. My name is Harry Mackin, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. My name is Aaron. Uh, my 24-bit eggplant will be analyzed. If you know what I mean. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at RB, please. This is the third in the Satoshi Kon uh, anime's great genius, the late Satoshi Kon series playing at the Trilon Cinema. There's one film left in this series. And uh, if you're listening to this episode before that plays, uh, go to Trilon.org and get tickets to Millennium Actress. It is the final in the showing. Uh, you've just missed three out of four. But this is a really good one to go out on. Um, yeah. So uh, we're all going to be there on Saturday, right? So if there are still tickets, you can I see us there. I don't think it actually plays on Saturday. I think it plays on Sunday. But if it does, <laughs> Harry's so confused. He's like, "Wait, what's going on?" Woodbury. I'm not exactly sure when it plays. I'll be there the first oh, show. So it could have had ED. Is what you're saying? Yeah, Sunday. He's he's not sure. Don't try to catch Jason there. He doesn't want to be found. You can catch me there. You can't catch me there. I will be in the back. I will be behind the back. I will be in the projection booth. Uh, I am making those weird noises that you keep hearing, and I'm putting the cigarette burns in the film. But uh, right now, I am transferring over to Aaron for the patented Aaron Grossman summary of the movie we're about to discuss, which is... <gasps> oh, uh, uh, Paprika. Yes. 2006 film, 2006 film uh, directed by Satoshi Kon. Uh, it is based on a 1993 novel of the same name uh, by Yasutaka Tsutsui, I believe would be how you pronounce the last name, but maybe not. Uh, the story of the film revolves around the members of a department uh, at the uh, in Japan, uh, the uh, Foundation for Psychiatric Research. The department is uh, specifically focused on a device called the DC Mini, uh, which is a headset kind of a uh oculus rift sort of a situation uh that allows the user to enter the dreams of other people uh the film specifically uh revolves around dr chiba who is voiced by megumi uh hayashibara uh, who is a 29 year old scientist who uses the dc mini to kind of moonlight as this uh this dream therapist kind of investigating the dreams of, of mostly like mental patients people with mental uh issues uh while taking on the alias of this kind of younger uh, different woman named Paprika. She got a you know wacky haircut, all that. Um, also in the department uh, is Doctor Tokita, uh, uh, voice acted by uh, Toru uh, Foruya, uh, who is an obese and kind of personality wise, kind of like a childlike man, uh, but who is like a genius and invented the DC Mini. Um, and also Doctor Shima, uh, voiced by Toru Amori. 
who's an older man who is the direct boss of both Chiba and Tokita. Uh, also important to the events of the film is Detective Toshimi uh, Konakawa, voiced by uh, Katsunosuke Hori, one of Paprika's clients who is haunted by this uh, recurring dream based on events from his past. Uh, these are all the characters uh, in the film, or most of them. The events of the film should probably just shortly be uh, summed up as uh, all of these characters that I've just mentioned uh, attempting to track down and stop the plans of some sort of dream terrorist who steals three of the DC minis and begins to use them to kind of blur the lines between dream and reality. Uh, the film was Satoshi Kon's final film before his death uh, and has been, along with uh, most of his other uh, works of film, uh, uh, specifically regarded over time as classics, not just of anime, but of film and science fiction and whatnot in general. Uh, Jason, you're, you're, you're going to ask maybe huh? the biggest Satoshi Kon fan on the podcast. Well, you the know, maybe. Kon- I know, Harry might, Harry might fight gonna, me over that. I was going to say between, between me, me and Harry, it's probably, probably pretty tight. I'm sure that he saw uh, yeah. Satoshi Kon movies before I did. Um, I, 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 I know that I've seen them enough with him to like, I think we both get the badge. We're all big fans here. We I didn't mean that to be a, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys we don't need to categorize. All we don't three need to of them. Thank Cone you. Kings. Yeah. Also, uh, I'm, thank you for not pronouncing it Khan. I feel like everybody in the world, whoever gets on mic, pronounces it Satoshi Khan. And I feel like you, how, how do you do that with that diacritic, with mm. the flat diacritic over the O in, in Cone? I don't know how you do that wrong. But anyway, um, so know. thank you, Aaron, for that wonderful, wonderful summary. Uh, wonderful, yeah, we're wonderful. really, we should really cast stones about how we pronounce people's names. I think that uh, we're I the authorities on that, so we're great at for doing yeah, that. I can. Good, I don't good know about point, you guys. Jason. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I, we're going to try and uh, structure our thoughts a little bit differently in this episode. Normally, we would have uh, a, the J-Cha run of our thoughts on this movie, but I think it might serve us better in this one because it is quite a broad movie in a lot of different ways we could take it to sort of focus on an idea at a time ish uh and you know cross our fingers and uh pray and play along with us as we go listener but um the first thing that i want to bring up is sort of this movie's conception of the internet something that we've touched on with at least our episode on perfect blue go back and listen to that if you didn't um wherein like in this movie it's like directly conflated with dreams both in the text and you know visually it's uh envisioned as a, as a physical space whereas in perfect blue um it was sort of like this threatening uh portent this parallel like story world type of thing like look at how these things intersect look at the ways that they reflect in this movie it's a literal like a literalization of that space um where and just to like recap for listeners who maybe haven't seen the movie in a little while, uh, I think it's Konakawa who enters it most often through uh, radioclub.jp, which is a website. He ends up uh, at a bar with two bartenders, um, and that's where he gets to directly converse with Paprika and sort of enter his dreams, etc. Whether or not that's um, like whether or not what we're seeing is in a dream and he accesses it there, or he's literally at his office on his computer and he enters it and manages to get into his dreams. I don't think that matters, but the envisionment, excuse me, the envisioning of the internet as a physical space, I think is very like, it's, it's, it's a rich concept. I think it's like a fun way that for a long time in these movies, Satoshi Kon and through his other works, he was like hinting at the, at the internet is like, Oh, this interesting new space that could be, uh, you know, a dagger or it could be a tool for connection kind of thing. You know, that, that idea that he was poking at. Um, and in this one, he's like, Nope, it's, it's like an actual space that you get to see that you like get to move through that you get to access something through. It's sort of a liminal space, so to speak. Um, yeah, you described it as a literalization, right? That's a term you used earlier. I think that's a really good way to describe what it's doing in this movie. Right? Like, I think that, um, at, one point paprik even sort of like you had said in your top quote explicitly spells out like don't you think dreams and the internet are the same thing um that's definitely something that satoshi Kon like 
returns to throughout his filmography and in mm-hmm. Paranoia Agent, which I know you wanted to talk about a little bit, Cody. It's really interesting how this movie is informed by and sort of comes out of Paranoia Agent. Um, but I, I think it's like uh, what's really interesting about it is that he's basically explicitly making the claim that like there is a collective unconsciousness, right? Mm-hmm. And it is something that we can all connect to in dreams. And the internet sort of gives us a place to do that in the waking world, right? Where through our alter egos, right? Like Paprika is an internet or a, uh, a dream alter ego, but she's pretty clearly also a stand in for like a, a net avatar or something online. Um, we can express different parts of ourselves. We can vent the unconscious mind. And that has implications not only for us, but how, but for how other people are affected by that, um, both consciously and subconsciously, as this movie sort of conflates the influence that the internet can have on people and the in- influence that we can wield using the internet on one another with dreams and how our dreams may affect the dreams of another. There's another really good line in this where they say, when two dreams are crossed, many more are made. That sort of speaks to the... the um, the fertile ground that that uh, Cohn is playing with here in terms of sort of like, as with Perfect Blue, thinking about identity, thinking about um, thinking about what it means to be a person in relation to other people and how we are sort of affected and interchange with one another. Um, so I think that's a really good like jumping off point to think about this movie, because I think it's like it's like definitely his most like literal grappling with right. this theme. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why I think it, make, it makes it such a good starting point point to discuss uh i i I was trying to i guess i was trying to grease the wheels by saying like hey aaron what do you think of that but it sounds like you were already ready to go (laughs) sorry yeah i got it yeah uh i just just that i i I think that um there's a there was an interview uh with satoshi Kone, or maybe it was with one of the animators on the film kind of talking about the use of cgi in the film uh there's Hmm. cgi in this film uh which i think is sometimes more noticeable than uh, i mean so the the kind of general philosophy there was to kind of make it so that you couldn't really tell it's CGI, right? Like use this as a shortcut. Yeah. Yeah, Use this as a shortcut to, uh, you know, make the, the production of this film easier, but don't like make it stand out. Or if you look at some of the early CGI and other animated films that kind of started to use it, um, I don't know how necessarily early it is, but like the, the anime metropolis, uh, has a lot of CGI as well. And it's very like in your face, like purposefully. So, and it will way that I actually quite like, um, this film, it feels like the the intention is not to kind of split up CGI in animation, but it, there is kind of a, a final product here that is like the ultimate thing. And I think that kind of is reflective of what I view as uh, Satoshi Kon's like idea about the internet and dreams and the real world, which is that they are not separate things. There is one kind of reality or, or yep. world, and and those are just kind of different elements of them, right? Hmm. Um, I think that the the way that he like doesn't really explain how that internet cafe works, right? From like a right. realistic uh, uh, perspective, um, the way that you know those those like kind of weird like Twin Peaks esque bartenders, uh, uh, kind <laughs> of how do they actually operate, right? I think that like. The, the logic there is not really the point. Um, mm-hmm. the, the point is that like, this is a kind of a representation of reality. Um, and it, it even ties into what I view as, as kind of his, his ultimate like take on technology in the film, which is like, it is a tool, right? Uh, I right. think that, that he is quite critical of this kind of, uh, nostalgic, uh, like anti-technology, um, kind of viewpoint that is expressed by, 
you know, the, the chairman, the, the, yeah, the chairman. But also, uh, you know, if you look at anime as a whole, it's something that, like Miyazaki was always kind of curmudgeonly yes. about, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Despite his own maybe use of CGI in animated films. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It just it just seems like he does not really care about the logic or like the the how. Yeah. It's just like the, the effect is the thing, and I, I I like that a lot. Right. I mean, I and I think that that aligns really well with sort of Cone's broader philosophy on like filmmaking and maybe his sort of like broader um, philosophical takes on identity and the self as well. Right. Like I think all of Cone's movies are known for that blending and conjoining, right? Like from perfect blue where we were never really supposed to understand or see what was a dream and what was staged or what was part of another show within the movie or what was reality Mm -hmm. here. Those distinctions are purposefully blended again, right? We're like, so many of these scenes, the central conceit is like, oh, you thought it was reality, but it was a dream, or you thought it was happening in the world, but it was happening on the internet, or what have you, right? Like, that perspective shift is such a fundamental, like, technique that he keeps returning to, and I think it's for exactly what you just described, Aaron, which is that, like, I think that Satoshi Kon is, like, really interested in the intersections, and particularly in the sort of the breakdown of borders between uh, the self and the world Mm -hmm. or the waking mind and the unconscious mind and how technology and modernity sort of facilitates or speeds that breakdown. We talked about this a lot in perfect blue, but it's it's here as well. So maybe like the literalization of the internet as a space in this movie is more to like, rather than thematically conflate space dreams, memory, uh, fiction, etc. How about we just make them all one thing within this work of fiction, within this animated right. work of even, fiction? Let's like, like formally like, make them a thing, but right, not exactly. not separate. Like if you if you look at like how like a bunch of like uh, uh, spe- focusing on film, like specifically like early early, I guess, cyberpunk film. I'm thinking like Johnny Mnemonic, things like that. Like thing with like big <laughs> VR glasses. They're putting it on. They're transported. Right. Um, the, the the point there is that. It is a separate space, but it is one that kind of mimics real life. And I think Satoshi, like, right. it, when I first started thinking about it, my, my opinion was like, oh, he is doing a version of that with the internet and the dreams. And But it is kind of the exact opposite of that, where it is not a separate space that mimics real life. It is, there is just no boundaries there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not right. like... I mean, the kind of the exception is the character of Paprika, who does kind of function, I guess, as like an avatar in the same way that you, you know... Um, like Ready Player One or whatever the fuck kind well, of it, uses it's sort those of characters. Like a thing but. that's not complete yet, but he is interested in it's. It's a really interesting um, sort of like continuation of that cyberpunk theme because it's sort of like cyberpunk in its onset was sort of about what happens when like cyberspace and reality become two separate but almost equal planes of reality and what that means for identity. And then sort of like they were all pointing towards the what that would mean implication-wise for like the breakdown between those spaces. Satoshi Kon is really interested in what comes next, right? Like he's really interested in saying like, okay, we've been playing in that space. Now I want to think about where we are, right? Like how Mm -hmm. in the world post-internet, these things have actually affected us, right? And like in Perfect Blue, we saw how that affected Mima's um, career and personality and identity. And here we're thinking even more broadly about sort of like the like, the destiny of all of humanity in terms of our unconscious mind and how we affect one another. Mm-hmm. I think that like to this movie's great credit, and I don't know that it fully square- squares the circle. Like I think that this is maybe Cone's most ambitious work in terms of like what he actually wants to say about 
like the world and the future using mm-hmm. this movie because he he really seems to be making a claim at like hey like humans work differently now because we all know each other in a way that we never knew each other before. Hmm. And that's really, really important. And it has big implications going forward. And that's something to think about, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm genuinely fascinated by, uh, Cohn's, you know, his, the, the growth and evolution of his views of like humanity via the internet and vice versa. And also just his development as a filmmaker. And like you alluded to Harry, um, Paprika, I mean, it's, it's regrettably Satoshi Cohn's final film. It does, uh, slot immediately after his limited series, Paranoia Agent, which came out in 2004. Paprika came out in 2006. Um, if you have been listening to these, uh, these discussions of ours and, or, Seeing Satoshi Kon's films at the Trilon, you should definitely check out Paranoia Agent if you haven't already. Um, I I think it, you'll I think you'll vibe with it. I don't how, know how. Really what is the stru- how many episodes we got? Is one season? What I'm it's not 12, a TV dude, guy. It's, 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 it's so 12? yeah, it, a limited okay. series uh, somewhere around twelve. Yeah, um, like twenty five. Gave like the, I'm looking minutes. it up. Finger. I, I wasn't yeah, actually because I thought that you guys had. I thought it was more than that, but uh, it's like I was going to say twenty five to thirty minutes per episode. Like you know, average anime. It's it's a season. It's a limited series. You should like it's right. w- well worth the yeah with the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I maybe useful context from that that I, that I think goes well um, with what y'all have been talking about so far, and maybe opens up some some new possibilities potentially, or just like um, some some new dreams that sprout off from this dream. Um, get it? Uh, but um, Paranoia Agent and Paprika both had. Uh, there's a, a writing collaborator, uh, Seishi Minakami, um, who was a part of the Parano- uh, Paranoia Agent and the writing process, or rather the adapting process uh, in screenplay, writing the screenplay for Paprika. Um, so like it, it, if you, if you watch, especially in close proximity, I'm sure like, I'm sure there you'll, the similarities, um, the similar energies, I don't know. Like I still think about Paranoia Agent a couple years after watching it and I watch Paprika and I'm pointing at the screen. Um, but you know, both works, they, the, there's um, heavy exploration uh, of, uh, of different instances of layered emotions and all the things that we've been talking about. So for the literalization of those, um, uh, seeing these, complex emotions played out in very vibrant environments. And, you know, the, the obviously a limited series format allows you to tell uh, this story, you know, or rather allows the same story to digest. You can deviate from it anytime you want. Whereas the 90 minute format that Paprika has, um, you maybe don't necessarily have um, that freedom. Uh, but, uh, you know, apparently Paprika, I, I did bear like a, not a ton of research, but um, apparently I looked Paprika was um, uh, supposedly going to be Satoshi Kon's second film. And it, so Perfect Blue and then Paprika. And for a variety what? of reasons, it it, it got um, shelved um, uh, Satoshi Kon at the time. And just like think about Perfect Blue as I'm saying this, but like he thought uh, Paprika, I don't know. I don't know anything about the novel. I've never, never read it, but he thought that it would be too difficult to adapt that it was, I don't think he used the word impossible, but like, so it, the fact that we get paprika now, especially after, um, you know, sim- similar filmmakers with similar sensibilities or, or genre tappings, uh, or trappings, trying out these different, um, you're trying to incorporate these different things. He has success with paranoia agent. And, um, like you, uh, and Harry, to come back to your point, I do think Paprika is extremely ambitious and that's what I love about it. Um, and maybe we'll get into that ambition, but I don't, uh, this, uh, all that is to say like, um, his career arc and how that, uh, I don't know yeah, necessarily. No, 
Yeah, like as far as like his movies are concerned, like he, yeah, he probably feels different things uh, about the internet, you know, spanning what nine years between Perfect Blue and, and sure. Paprika, but also like he was a more confident filmmaker to, such that he could, he felt he maybe could take such a big swing and crank out, oh yeah, this is a 90 <laughs> minute film called Paprika that does a, a lot of the work that like a TV series would do, you know, yeah, uh, with it feels like a TV series in a lot of ways. Um, it just like, it totally lines up with my perception of this movie that like, this is so clearly the movie Cohen had always wanted to make. Like this was Absolutely. the one that he was aiming at from like the very onset of his career. Um, that's wild. I, I would be maybe a, Despite not being a TV guy, maybe I should check out Paranoia Agent because I, I do like the idea of Satoshi Kon given a like a kind of a longer canvas to paint on. I mean, if I I, I have a few criticisms of this movie, I think one is that uh, this should not have been a ninety minute movie. Uh, I think yeah. it is right. It very much kind of like Akira, which is a two hour long movie, right? Kind of you can you can feel where it is like cutting from the book, like very mm-hmm. actively. Uh, it feels like I think. Uh, specifically, like one of the things that really struck me is uh, Tokia's friend, who is named da, 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 Himuro. Yes, is that that relationship is like so much is like based dramatically and narratively on like the relationship between them, those two, and it is like there, there's nothing of it in this movie, mm-hmm. right? That character um, isn't even really ever literally on screen except as a corpse or a coma. A, or like right? a little doll thing, right? Um, is he even ever speaking there? I like I think that even then it's like it's supposed to be not clear if that's even him or if that's German's manipulations. Yeah. Yeah. Um it 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 just it feels like this should have been a two hour long movie and it I think that um, I, to be quite frank, I think that it, uh, people view this as like a very trippy, like hard to follow movie. I don't think it's because of the trippiness of the film, which is like undeniably there and it's great and the best part of the film. I think it's because it it it, it is an an adaptation where they're making it a ninety minute movie. I think they mm-hmm. needed another fifteen, I don't know, twenty minutes to flush out some of this stuff. Seeing Paprika deal with another client before uh, the events of the film would kind of help out who exactly she is. I mean, there's like a line explaining it, right? But it, it, I don't know, it makes some shortcuts that feel kind of unnatural to me, I guess. Mm. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't need to go into criticisms yet if we have other things to say, but like, I totally agree. And I think that like, you know, not to put all my cards out on the table here, but like the first time I saw this, I considered it pretty well in a way, Satoshi Kon's least successful movie. Um, I still feel that way, to be honest. I think that like there's something about the ambition and the personal nature of this movie that both make it extremely compelling and that make it fall short for me. Incredibly in a lot vulnerable. Of ways. Yeah, like he like there was a lot of big right. swings and it's like, oh, if he's not gonna hit every one of them, the ones he misses are gonna feel like real bit like like the length. And, and like or, there are you know, at least two and maybe three of maybe the most obvious author stand-in characters ever put to film yeah. in this movie. I'm thinking which is of pretty, the detective. Which is pretty funny. And, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's hilarious, but it is sort of like, oh, like this I, I is like so I like a director working out of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, Every once in a while. Really I say like, his be I say his because it is I find often the the male I'm thinking of like David Lynch, the racer head well, sort of yeah, like yes, well, of course. And like um, very much like that. Like sometimes that shit is pretty regressive and fucked up actually, and yeah. maybe not something that you should be addressing in this medium because you accidentally make a pretty sexist movie, which I think Paprika is accidentally a pretty sexist movie. It's also wildly fatphobic and pretty fucking homophobic as well. So like, uh, I, 
I issue. saw it take what who was the director who had the quote about the 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 anime director who always writes female characters in a certain way it was it got a bunch of gruff on the internet you don't i'm i'm surprised I'm you don't remember this yeah is it miyazaki no i so everybody assumed that the director was talking about miyazaki but i remember like reading an article that was like what if he's talking about satoshi the way that satoshi yeah, Kone always writes yeah. his female characters and i'm like you know i don't know i anyway but yes i i i think that there is some of that again, not to right. like jump right into criticisms, but I think that even even the relationship between uh, Chiba and Tokita, uh, which I think okay. makes up the the end. Of, well, so there is like a a really nice scene at the end uh, that the the way that they kind of recontextualize the the elevator scene. Like I think maybe that's problematically done, right? But it recontextualizes it a little bit uh, to to kind of make this I don't know kind of heartwarming uh, point right. about love and and whatnot. Um, but like. There's there's like kind of two or three scenes where they actually interact in a way that kind of fleshes that out over the course of the movie, and I don't necessarily mind the movie taking that shortcut if the the point is to say, hey, there's actually all this you didn't see, and you're kind of making right. these assumptions. But it feels kind of cheap. I don't know. Uh, it absolutely does. Like we, uh, Seth and I, we we, we just started the trial on last night, and on the walk back, um, that's one of the things that we remarked on was like there is clearly like. You can tell that Satoshi Kon or the co-writer wanted to wanted there to be a reason for like, oh, this incredibly stereotyped fat character to be, you know, everybody calls him slovenly. Everybody calls him like an overeater and a like yeah. it's really it's really pretty gratuitous. And you want like you want to read very charitably into it to say like, oh, he's setting those things up. They're setting those things up. I shouldn't just say he, but they're setting those things up to be like, oh, because then at the end, Chiba sort of has her realization of of herself, of her inner self that she's not really accepting, that she's like, you know, barring herself from her truest emotions kind of thing. Then she realizes that within every person is like a person worth loving kind of thing. But that's like, that's a long way to go. And a lot of mean things to say about a person like punching down just to get to a pretty simple point. So I can't even charitably give it that. Well, in, it 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 fucks up on both ends, right? Because like one, you shouldn't the the way you're disparaging this character should not be fat phobia, right? And two, the the things that Chiba ends up forgiving him for or learning to love are the things that she should not be forgiving him for or learning to love, right? Like the whole idea ultimately of their relationship is she comes to be all right with his fundamental childishness hmm. because he's such a genius. She's like, actually, I love that about him. I love that he swallows everything and he's so much fun and he can do things like the DC mini, even though he's such a little kid inside. And it's like the whole movie, as people continually pointed out, was like, the his irresponsibility and childishness is a like as a direct result the events of the movie happen right where this megalomaniac gets a hold of his invention tries to take over the world it's like that is not something that chiba should accept nor should she accept her role in the relationship to be someone who has to do the internal work to get more in touch with her own sort of like fun loving side in order to be that for him. Right. Like Charlie and I saw this movie last night too, and we were on our way back and, and she, that was something she brought up. Right. I don't want to necessarily put words in her mouth, but she's like, he literally says at one point, like, I wish you would act more like paprika. And it's like, it's like literally like they are in a workplace and he just told her she should smile more. Yeah, <laughs> and she is like portrayed as this sort of like very shrill, no nonsense, like professional woman, and her arc in this movie is literally learning how to have fun. Ch- Ch- Chiba is a librarian taking off her glasses and undoing <laughs> literally, and it's Paprika, There's- right? And like, especially when like Paprika is young, younger, and she's supposed to yeah. be sort of like sexual. 18. 
and and like it sucks, man. It's like yeah. that is not that's just straight up a bad. And I get that like they're conflating it with this larger idea about how the repression of dreams or the attempts to control and steer someone's dreams into more sort of like socially acceptable or productive uses of who they are as a person is evil, right? Like that's the chairman's whole thing. But like, I I think that there there has to be a huge difference between like, oh, like, you're right. We shouldn't sit in judgment of people. We shouldn't sort of try to direct who they are as people by manipulating them. But also like, it, it that can be true and it cannot be acceptable to sort of like have to take everybody exactly as they are when the way that they are is harmful to you and other people. Right. I mean, <laughs> that binary is just something that this movie sort of almost accidentally sets up that I just like categorically reject. And it makes I think it's a real problem for the movie. Oh, definitely. And like it does like I was uh, pointing out earlier, like the whole the idea of like selves within selves is clearly like the the whole more or less like the whole through line of this movie, the, uh, you know, coming to terms with various, you know, conscious parts of the mind, that kind of thing. Um, but I think that like that conversation that we just had about, uh, Chiba and sort of the paprika in her being like her, like her embracing her fun side kind of thing. After so many times of seeing this movie, I think that that rather than being, you know, quickly explained away as like, Oh, that is supposed to be the straightforward, her, her getting in touch with like another part of herself that she's been repressing. I think like, there are a couple lines near the end of the movie where uh, Paprika and it's this weird, like non sequitur moment. I mean, it's probably uh, a result of some of the trimming that they had to do from the book. I'm again, I haven't read the book either, but um, when like things are their worst and uh, Inui, the, the chairman is just like swallowing Tokyo in this black void uh, before this, like uh, Kaiju Chiba appears and sort of swallows him up. Paprika says, uh, you know, that she lists out binaries. I forget all of them. She does, but she's like uh, dreams and reality fiction and, yep. and fact and man and woman. Uh, and, and, but in between there's paprika, there's like a little bit of spice. That's what life is. About. And it feels like, feels like we're about to kick into the anime theme intro in that way. Just because mm. I guess that, that downbeat, uh, like we're here's, here's the moment where everything turns around and we don't really understand quite why after so many times of seeing that I have to assume that paprika's role in this story is less like a direct, like the mirror image, like the in, inverse of what Chiba is and more like more that Chiba and I hate to do this, but more that Chiba is like the anomaly as a person who can control that, who has like an existence outside of that, who has, who like can, because everybody else in this movie is their like dream selves, so to speak are, um, uh, you know, Tokida's is a big robot that, uh, he seemingly only imprinted upon himself and only appears as because Himuro saw him as that when, you know, they go to his apartment and he sees the robot with his face on it. Um, uh, Inui sees himself as this, um, you know, tree monster that sort of develops into a big kaiju man. Everybody has sort of their mirror image dream selves, but Paprika and Chiba seem to be the only ones who like or sorry, Chiba appears to be the only one who can control that. And that led me to ask why. And internally, I have to think that Paprika is like the anomaly in this case that she like is a tool that she has some autonomy that she like can cross that barrier. Um, but that she's not the end result of like, she's not the true quote unquote Chiba. She's not like another aspect of Chiba. She's just right. there's like some kind of catalyst, I guess is what I mean to say. Like all that building to that one of those final lines from Paprika about being like the big thing in between. And I started to envision Paprika as sort of that go-between, sort of the the one that can enable that, like that can, um, uh, rather than being like the true Chiba or like another aspect of Chiba, being like the thing that connects her to that true Chiba. And again, like that true Chiba being uh, envisioned, at least in my read, as the one who's like 
accepting of Tokita's, you know, quote unquote flaws, who's like right. sort of in touch with her emotional self and stuff. And I just don't know what to do with all those ideas of like, if that is what the movie is saying about Chiba and Paprika, that Paprika is like an anomaly who uh, doesn't exist quite like all these other dream selves do. Um, but that all these other characters seem beholden somehow to something that they can't control. What is, what is that saying about each of those characters and what like sort of rules is it building there? If, if any, if they're important. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, I like that reading. I, I very much read Paprika as like a Jungian shadow of Chiba. It's just like, yeah, Chiba's yeah. not complete. I mean, that's what's on Paprika's screen. is not complete yeah. that they have to come together to be the complete person. And like, this is a character arc about a person sort of like learning to accept that part of themselves. Um, I think I like your interpretation more. I just don't know that it's textually all that like no, well no. developed. I'm, I'm reaching, but you know, again, like I just get in my head about so many times having seen the movie and sort of pulling out what I, what I think for new reads. Cause like that, it feels, it feels like one of the swings that's a miss if I have to read it as like that, you know, I just don't want to, I don't want to say that this person who made things that I really appreciate and really like, it did something that's like kind of boring in concept. I don't know. Sure. Well, but, but it, it makes sense when you consider that like what Paprika is doing is she's like a dream therapist. Right. And like her role on the DC mini development team is to understand how uh, the DC mini works and what it or not, how it can works, but what it can be used for. Right. Hmm. She's sort of like the applications development person. And so it's it's sort of like it's it's saying that Chiba like she has this this unique insight into like almost psychological insight into people right hmm. where she can understand who they are and that's how she can help them and then I guess the irony of the movie is that she needs to do that for herself she even okay. says right like there's that one time when she's talking to Paprika and she says like Paprika says do you want me to look into your dreams and uh, Chiba responds I haven't seen any mm-hmm. of my own dreams lately. And she learns to dream again at the end of the movie. It's sort of like, I think that there's an element of that that is also sort of like, it's not triage necessarily, but it's like, remember that you are a part of this whole dream too, and that you are subject to the same thing that you sort of like subject everyone else to, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, there is this sort of sense in which like, knowing others is also knowing the self, but like, remember that you are also knowing the self, mm-hmm. right? I think that there's sort of like the self-reflective journey of uh, Chiba Paprika in this movie is reflected by their sort of external journey in a way that I think is really interesting. And I think that kind of gets toward what you're talking about in terms of the catalyst, right? Like that's, that's what makes Chiba and Paprika different as characters from the other characters. And that sort of like guides their arc through this movie. Okay. Yeah. I see that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've I have no um, like brilliant answers to like the thematic readings. If anything, why do we like, have you I'm on this podcast, Cody? We come to you for answers gr- about anime. To to add just a little, you know, a little spice to the, uh, the equation, you know, uh, some would say. I don't like um, can no, I get I, some turmeric I, instead, please? <laughs> um, uh, you can get some pee pee poo poo. No, um, I, I'm going to suggest something that's like probably way too generous. But um, as I sort of search for, I mean, I I like this movie well enough, and I and I, I mean, I upon revisiting it, I mean, it's the the Satoshi Kon film that I'm like least recently familiar with. It's the, I think the first one I've I watched like six seven years ago, and I have not mm-hmm. thought about it much, revisited it since, and so um, you know, I I'm looking for a, a reading 
something that makes sense. And like, you know, we're talking about the ambition of this movie and like some, um, some, some like motifs and some readings that are present, but they don't necessarily quite like the circles aren't squared. Um, you know, the idea of, uh, like consumption and like, um, opposites, but also the idea of like these things sort of like complementing one another, a lot of things that are sort of gestured at, um, but we don't necessarily get, you know, the big sort of, you know, this is, you know, this is going to come through and like everything will make sense in the end. And if I were to be way too generous, um, <laughs> maybe it's not too generous. I don't know, but I, I think it's funny to imagine like this is a movie built, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, a, a it's dream logic, you know, a lot of characters say things that don't make sense and I don't know how keyed in like I, I wasn't a conehead at the time when paprika came out so like i don't know what the consensus was what people like had to say about perfect blue when it came out and then millennium actress and i think i, I hope i'm good millennium actress um uh, uh i'm i'm Tokyo. Tokyo. and then paranoia agent and just like like part of part of me thinks and or wishes that like paprika comes along and just to like fuck with the fuck with uh you know the people out there just like i like we're i'm gonna drop a bunch of little lines for like um like motifs thing like just a shitload of red herrings um mm. to sort of match the spirit of dream logic and like again like it's way too generous right but part of me wants to believe that that's like what paprika was was built upon yeah that like the read like the reading of this trying to read this film like just like trying to watch it you know we have friends who've said like it watched you know paprika while while on drugs and like trying to read (laughs) try to read this movie sober is also like kind of like that you're you're going in in a lot of different directions so like i i maybe that's nothing but that's just like if uh, me being like a big defender of big swings um oh paranoia agent mm-hmm. um, stay tuned nice but, uh, no like yeah that's I, I wanted to drop that out there in case it, that says anything absolutely like it aligns with satoshi Kon as an author he uh his like known graphic novel work was called opus and it was very much to that extent like he i don't think he ever got to finish it he wrote like a quick hurried finish up chapter when he was um called to direct on perfect blue but uh like he he was a bit known for planting seeds that like maybe he never intended to really flesh out more in the idea of like build the milieu get the you know um get things simmering and then like we'll tell the story in the middle of it and we'll see where those things interact we'll see where the where the stuff sifts out you know and i that's one of the things that i really love about watching and rewatching his films is like oh what threads are actually spun which are just dangling which you know pieces come together in the end with what what comes to fruition versus what uh you know is sort of left there for you to 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 play with um it feels like a, a bit of an interaction with the with the story and like with the author right um i don't know that it like i think we're always all coming around to the same idea that he doesn't that it doesn't make those feel very rewarding to have those left. So, uh, dangling, I guess, to have them. So like not finished, um, in a lot of ways or, but you know, at least, at least in, in a lot, they're there, I guess they're at least they're there to chew on. Right. Appreciating that they're there rather than appreciating that they're like, um, holy metaphors, holy fleshed out threads. It's just (laughs) like the fact that they exist and you can sort of like, I don't know, use them to like feed off of your own your own dreams your own readings like mm-hmm. I, I don't know like I, I think 
especially upon like rewatching them, which I'm sure all of us here are going to be doing um, for maybe the rest of our lives. It's just like, I, I can already tell that's something I'm going to appreciate more and more is the fact that like, they're there. They're not all fully explored. They don't all necessarily make sense, but it's good. As I try to understand Satoshi Kon more as a filmmaker, the fact that he went through all the trouble to just like put it there, even mm-hmm. though it, it doesn't like quite make sense. It, it maybe is to the movie's detriment that a lot of these things are there. Um, a lot of the points that have been brought up, but just like, I don't know, the, the, there's a certain level of appreciation. It's just like different appreciation that I might be mm-hmm. used to when watching a movie. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I like that a lot and I um, appreciate it. I think the, the problem with it for me, and I hate to come at Satoshi Kone too hard like this is that like all of those little drops and all of the like thought provoking sort of like um, world building he plugs into this movie, it sits alongside a very clear story. Like Aaron had said that has a beginning, middle and end and says a very clear, has a very clear thesis statement. It uses this world building for, and I simply don't like that story that much. Hmm. I just don't think it comes to a bunch of conclusions that I find that thought provoking. And one of my favorite things about Satoshi Kon is the way that he can marry those things, right? Like I think unlike a lot of the sort of more, um, experimental visionary anime directors that sort of do what you described, Jason, uh, like Cone does with Opus. They, they sort of like their ambitions and their ideas sort of outstrip their ability to realize those things. I think Satoshi Kone is a director that that is not true of for most of his movies, mm. right? Like, I think that the great thing about Perfect Blue is that it creates this thought-provoking idea, but it only does it to a purpose, right? Like, ultimately, that is a story about Mima, and it's a story about how scary it is to be a woman on the internet in modernity basically, right? Or like Millennium Actress, like the the main character in Millennium Actress is the point of that story, right? Like all of the things that it sets up about the blurring between reality and um, stagecraft are toward the purpose of understanding who she is on her own terms. And Mm. I really love that. And I really love the social dimension of Satoshi Kon's work where it's like, it's not just think about reality or think about yourself this way. It's now that you think about it this way, what does it mean for the way that you're going to conduct yourself in reality? Like how you're going to treat other people, how you're going to think about other people. And I think that this movie is trying to do that too. I just think it ends up in some really weird regressive places because of that, right? Where it ends up in this place where it's like, actually like very heteronormative roles are okay. And actually sometimes like it turns out that homosexuality is sort of a fundamentally evil thing where by uh, a man tries to take control of another man's identity and um, self-determination. And it's like, man, like, I know you're trying to do like a detective story and everything on top of everything else, but like, maybe those things were more important than all of the other little like interesting tweaks that you were going to plug into this movie, especially because like when you don't give those things the proper context, like they become something that I don't think you want. Right. So like it is, I don't like, for instance, I don't think that that Satoshi Kone is trying to make a homophobic movie, but I think this is a homophobic movie. That's, that's what I was about to say was, I think it's funny that uh, this is like objectively uh, Satoshi Kone's most problematic movie. (laughs) Yeah. When we have Tokyo Godfathers where people are like out and out mm-hmm. calling a trans character like by slurs and names to know that this one is actually the one that's like the meanest and most like 
uh, unjustifiably mean of them um, is is something that I hadn't really considered. Yeah, but. well, I mean, and but Han is a great character is the difference, whereas right. like the chairman's homosexuality is like literally metaphorically conflated with his desire for well, control yeah, over like, other people. E- even if I were, even if I had a way to explain that away, I would say like, there's still the fact that Himuro is um in, like implied to be uh homosexual through uh like BL magazines on his shelf. And I think right. Chiba, when she's stalking through his apartment, sort of like looks and scoffs and says, well, you know, you know, those kind of people, right? Like, you know, you know, gays, it was just a, this weird little moments that don't feel like, oh, we've found ways to subvert that or ways to like recontextualize that. We've just put that forth. Like you said, like a detective story, like here's the clue. And the clue is that he's gay. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's, and and it parallels it parallels the movie's treatment of obesity, right? Where right. it's like, oh, obesity is a metaphorical stand-in for indulgence, and like, if someone is obese, it must be because they're an indulgent person and they can't control themselves because they're childlike or they they have poor impulse control. Here in this movie, it's also like, oh, those gays, those homosexuals, they must be struggling with fantasies that they can't control, mm-hmm. and it's causing them to act out and want to control other people. People in uh, regressive or domineering ways, and it's like that sucks. Like you can't just say that shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's... and it, it does the same thing with uh, with Chiba, right? Where it's like, oh, like this no nonsense businesswoman must actually have a fun loving side that she's repressing. It it's rough. I think. Yeah, like it's... I think that I think that the implications of sort of like dealing with repression the way that this movie wants to deal with repression can be really fun. I think like the detective is really fun where it's like, Hey, you wanted to be a cop because you wanted to be a movie star. (laughs) Uh, but also like, it can be like really rough sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, where does everybody want to go from here? Do we want to go down the Konakawa route? Talk about that guy. Do we want to talk about, um, do we want to spend some time shitting on inception for a little bit? Cause I feel like I could shit on inception. Inception. No, yeah, no, no, I think that this is, this is, Aronofsky like movie in that uh, it has a lot of big ideas that really, really terribly underserves its characters. Much, much like uh, that uh, auteur is wont to do. Oh, Inception doesn't do any of that. Oh, yes, it does. Inception doesn't even have any ideas. It's a purely (laughs) execution-based heist movie. It works very well, which is why it's great. That is... Look, here's the... Look, I I promised myself... I did. I said, look... I'm not going to bring up Inception. Somebody else brings up Inception. I'll talk yeah, about Inception. Of course. I was not going to bring it up. Uh, I don't know why people keep fighting. It, it really is not like Paprika. That criticism is so, like, bad. It's I'll, I'll so boring. It's so lazy. It's like such a lazy up, criticism. I want to pick yeah, up the thread when up. you're done, but I want you to explain what you mean by that. It it Right, you have something with Perfect Blue. Yes, Aronoff, like, yes, he, he got the rights for, to create a live-action version of that movie. There's a shot that is directly taken uh, from Perfect Blue uh, in, in Black Swan. Uh, none of those things are true of Inception. Inception is a markedly different film. Um, even the timelines don't add up. I mean, the, the thing that people love to point to is like, oh, this came out in 2006. Inception came out in... 2010-ish, 11, yeah, 2010, um, ignoring the fact that Nolan was pitching a version of Inception back in 2002. It's lazy. It is, It is uh, like, just copy-paste criticisms from Perfect Blue and Black Swan. I think that, I think that this is a really bad take, <laughs> to be honest it, it, with you. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel wholly... Now, here's the thing. For me, it's less that, like, oh, 
it, this is exactly like it. And you know, this is like the pinpoint I can point to you. I can tell you what's similar. It's but but it's you like, could literally call Inception Inception colon a paprika movie. Well, like, no, you couldn't. No, you could not. You weren't if you were trying to actually take a look at what either of these films are doing. Well, uh, Inception is a Inception is Nolan doing a heist film and using the wacky oh, yeah, logic no, of dreams to make that genre. I'm talking about like literally he stole the idea of Paprika out of Paprika. He used it to make his own movie. I don't think that the movie Paprika is like Inception. I just think that the DC Mini and the fucking Inception machine, whatever it's called, it's the same goddamn thing. There's not an Inception machine. They use drugs whatever. in order okay, to. Well, Right. right, but uh, but lit, like th- think about the the timeline here, which is the thing that you are saying is that he saw Paprika and then took that for his own idea. He was pitching versions of this to Warner Brothers, whatever, back in two thousand one and two. It's if I'm sorry, so. it's lazy. It's it's such a lazy criticism of that film. It has all right. Like, well. It My very clearly influenced his film. It's boring and it doesn't have any characters. Right, that's and that's movie. perfectly fine. But like, yeah. it, it is so insufferable to see just like the letterboxed reviews that are one sentence, you know, oh, Mr. Nolan, uh, your time is up. Awful. It's. I'm yeah. sorry, it's that's, awful. No, it's no, lazy. Right. And that's fair. I, we have a I, podcast, I, not a fucking letterboxed. I never want to say like, oh, he copied it word like frame for frame like he did with Perfect Blue. Though absolutely like... Fucking for fucking for Black and Swan. Uh, but my point with with Inception is that like there are a whole lot. We keep talking about how broad and how like big the swings are in Paprika, and it feels like, and I, with timelines and facts notwithstanding, it feels like somebody saw these. Okay, so I'm not going to get into cinema sins of it. I'm going. I'm trying to point out that the yeah. ideas here are are one. And people so walk down a weird the, hallway. You heard that there's one? There's guy. a there's a there, weird there's hallway. There's an old man, and they are the same movie. Uh, no, but like the <laughs> broadest ideas and the biggest swings of Paprika are sort of boiled down into what if you could go into dreams, and it's just is sort of held with because, the same import. No, and like they're in the same conversation, yeah. and it feels like I don't want to say like let's bring them together so that we can. Of course, they're them in the same like, conversation. Let's take let's take them out of each other's conversation because they're it, like you said. It's wild that no one had thought like intentions. Right. And the idea is that like no one had thought in cinema or out of it in science fiction or out of it to explore the concepts of going into dreams or 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 just well, no one. No one had, who, had that idea. Well, you someone said- who is never infamous for ripping off other Satoshi Kon ideas, I think also someone who is who has never been influenced by Satoshi Kon before. Certainly he's, he's very clearly right. I, I, I am not defending Black Swan here. I'm saying that the criticism specifically for Inception, which is a film that is open for so much criticism. Despite also, like Aronofsky is didn't direct Inception. So like that's a yeah, whole dude. thing to talk about. <laughs> no. Oh yeah. yeah, Christopher Nolan did. I know. I'm talking about Christopher Nolan here. I was saying that oh, the you're right, right. But the Black Swan criticism, I think, is fair. Like that, in you know, I think part of it is emboldened that Satoshi Kon did kind of shit talk Aronofsky a little bit, maybe fairly, uh, and then that criticism kind of gets like copy and pasted over to Inception, a film that is yes, Nolan is very clearly inspired uh, uh, by Satoshi Kon, but there is nothing plagiaristic. There is there is no. What if Satoshi Kon like, like such a lazy criticism of that movie? Yeah, what maybe he maybe idea? he planted the idea of making um, a sci-fi story that explores dreams. I guess it's if, fine. Uh, we get Nemo it. Inception's your exist. favorite movie. You can't tolerate people who talk poorly. <laughs> right, about but it. then also like Dolan's so fun to dunk on that it's like even yes. defending this, even yes. defending this is like oh, you, 
you know, I, you gotta feel like a real stooge, I don't know what to say. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, well, that's that's as much inception shitting as I think I can have fun with. If we keep going, I'm gonna have a real real bad time. I don't know about about anybody else. Um, that actually was like the whole of like broader concepts I wanted to get to, and with this new ish structure, I don't have more umbrellas to throw over this. Do we have anywhere else that we want to go with this before we like start scraping the bottom of the barrel? Uh, the music's very good. Oh music man, is the music is, is not music. mentioned, oh, and I everybody talks about the visuals, but the music is really. Yes. Really selling it. The way that uh, the the chairman is is often defined by these kind of classical orchestral and like choir based themes, and then Paprika, of course, kind of this more uh, progressive, technologically focused kind of concept of of her and the dream space and whatever is is kind of this you know a, what is it a vocaloid is the instrument yeah. that's used there. Uh, it rocks. The soundtrack to this is very very good. Particularly, um, um, parade that that one uh, yeah. like musical. It's like maybe one of the most effective piece like pieces of a film score that I've ever heard, bar none. Um, just in terms of like what it's supposed to be doing and what it's doing in that scene is like it's it rocks so hard. What like do you mean all by of that? the parade scene. Uh, well, just like the fact that like it is chaotic and anxious that song it feels like a bunch of different songs sort of like ripped into one another like the the main melodic line is something that is constantly interrupting and redoubling back over itself and it feels like you're listening to like a chaotic manifestation of the collective unconsciousness that is sort of like driving forward right and you're doing that you're listening to that as like you're watching a parade of the collective unconscious headed towards some unknown destination and it really like it really feels anxiety provoking right like it's it's uh it's it's great i mean that that song kind of gives me a panic attack when i listen to it but i like it a whole lot um, i believe it was this was it the same composer from um uh paranoia agent susumu good Hirasawa. Question. i know that i know that uh, susumu Hirasawa was a frequent collaborator of um of satoshi kon's and i I feel like each one of Satoshi Kon's feature films has like one of those tracks that feels a little float mm-hmm. that feels like catchy but floaty like you know you know some sort of driving motion forward but also like a, a, a like I don't know what's like treading water type like it can be repeated over and over and you can still find new ways to contextualize it against what you're seeing. I didn't consider that right. for for Parade specifically in Paprika but it's a it's a good point. He uh he did Millennium Actress and Paranoia Agent. Okay. So that's why I'm that's why I'm hearing. Yep. It. Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I like the um the op- the the opening credit song of Paprika and I mean and also Paranoia Agent. Paranoia Agent has a uh, a kick and theme and like there are a few musical pe- I, I can't describe music nearly as well as you guys can, but like I feel like there were a few um like a, a, a few specific segments where the music was just like adjacent to what I thought it should be based on the situation. Like mm. if uh, like in, in, in like sequences of peril, like the music was maybe a little more like there was like an undercurrent of it being like kind of light and, and boppy. Yeah. Like I, mm. I uh, and uh, which I, I mean, goes to the theme of, you know, everything sort of coming together. It's like a universal shared experience. We're all in dreamland together. So like, I don't know, it was a really, it was a really nice fit. I like the fact that it was, again just like slightly next to what i would have imagined the music should be like mm-hmm. I, I was just like oh wow i'm seeing something completely new this feels completely different it was really nice yeah yeah um there are two memory. other things that i feel like we should talk about which is like i feel like we didn't talk about the fact that this is like a 
straight up detective story also, or it kind of wants to be in the first act and then ends up kind of not being uh, when everything is revealed in a distinctly non-detective story way. But like the, the detective uh, Toshimi Konakawa, he sits at a really weird intersection in this movie, right? Where like he, he connects, he's like one of Paprika's patients and he's like on a case that ultimately ends up being another one of uh, the culprit is another one of, um, uh, Paprika's co-workers and he sort of like has his own arc through this movie that unfolds sort of like in parallel or perpendicular. Uh, how do you guys feel about that character and, and where do you think he belongs in this story? Uh, I personally really, really liked uh, his, his character. It's like one of the more fully fleshed out characters. And yet like you could roughly call uh, Paprika and um, Inui and Konakawa's stories, like three plot threads that this movie roughly follows to tell that same story of like self-reflection and, and knowledge of the self and stuff. Um, but I think his is the, one of the more like, because it has a lot of the most iconic imagery from this movie. It's got the uh, hallway <laughs> scene that, Again, clearly copied by insect. Like, I don't think you can even argue that. I don't think you can. A wacky argue. hallway, real wacky yeah, hallway sorry. stuff. Uh, it exists, you know. And and this movie stole it from Zelda sixty four. Uh, so you know, who's to say where it really came from? Um, what is but, Zelda sixty four? Uh, uh, Zelda. You yeah. don't remember Zelda? The original, before? yes. Actually, there, yeah, there was a Zelda. Zelda anyway. Densetsu. Um, but like those, uh, oh, video game. Because because yeah. his story has like those more, um, some of the more uh, iconic scenes of the movie, like the scene where he's sort of explaining uh, filmmaking techniques and the line of action and pan focus and stuff, and like those really for lack of a better term, like very memeable uh, moments and some of the best writing that like, just like d- catches you off guard because it's dream logic type lines. Um, I think that like, I really like his uh, story. I, re- I, I don't know if it ties off really well with like against the rest of the stories, because like the whole thing is clear is like him coming to terms with the fact that he like didn't, actually caused the death of his friend from high school that he like is not responsible because he abandoned because he pursued, pursued a different path in life because like he, he has to come to like, he has to accept that, uh, you know, their lives diverged and something happened and he was, and he felt responsible for it. So like that, the murder that he's chasing revealed to be him throughout, like he's trying to find uh reparation for that. He's trying to find, um, uh, what's the term he's trying to find like forgiveness, forgiveness isn't the term, but he's, uh, absolution. Absolution is, is one, um, it's not exactly what I'm singing, but anyway, yeah, absolution. He's trying to find absolution for uh, this crime that he feels like he committed that like somewhere in his subconscious, he feels responsible for, but that he like has to realistically come to terms with not being, I feel like as a story that works really well with the whole dream concept thing, because it gives him a space to literally confront that. Right. It's, it's the most, like I'm just reading what was on the screen, but I really liked how that played out because it is much cleaner than the rest of the movie. It's just weird to see it like woven in between much muddier ideas and much like, less tightly told stories i guess yeah well and like the the repeat the repetition that we see his dream happen again and like we learn a little new detail or new context and like i could feel myself being like i want to know more like Mm -hmm, what is mm -hmm. the solution to this like why is this happening i find that really effective within this movie um i also think that like the ultimate um the conclusion it's it's like a very japanese type of thing but like i love the idea that like he ultimately gets over this by realizing that like oh this person was important to me 
right? Like, it's not just the guilt that he had, but it hmm. was also that, like, oh, I sort of abandoned this person because I, like, I didn't want to make the movie or I didn't have the confidence. Um, and I pursued this other path and then he died. And then the guy is like, no, actually, like, our relationship was important. It's why you became a cop. Like, you hmm. were still trying to finish the movie. You were still trying to, like, do right by me. You are still trying to do right by me in your life. And, like, I, I, I really like that idea. And I think that that ties in really well with the sort of, like, bigger theme of this movie about how like oh like we are all very fundamentally a part of one another and like we are all driving one another's uh dreams okay. uh, whether or not we know it um so like there's a really cool interpersonal connection there i think yeah that's the angle that i didn't consider uh but i, I really like that too. i really like that reading um aaron cody any thoughts on konakawa's story i like it uh well as uh- <laughs> The only <laughs> period. No, um, as a sort of stand in for, I mean, especially knowing that, uh, again, this is his last movie, having a character to sort of just like kick back for a few <laughs> minutes and just like geek out and teach you a little bit about filmmaking in a sort of man like, with a sort of reflective tone just feels really nice. And having him, you know, um, the, the presence of a film reel and having that be the sort of stand in for, I mean, we, go back into his memories, but just like, you know, a film reel is just like its own version of your memories, but like recorded for you to review in real life over and over. It's just like, mm, that's mm, yeah. It uh, added I, another, I like that. Another little angle to it. Uh, watching it at a trial on, sorry, you couldn't join Aaron. We watched it on 35 millimeter. It was, it was the only of uh, Cohen's films to be, portrayed, oh, yeah. to be played on 35 millimeter. And it's not like the cleanest print. It's, it's like a little bit, like the cuts are pretty, you can tell when they're coming sort of thing. I really, really loved watching this movie in 35. I didn't and even know it was in front of us and it, it boggles the mind. Sorry. I just had to say that. Yeah. There were empty um, seats in the house. And that's just was, absurd. Yeah. I said, that is it's, odd, it's, it's, yeah. it's sold out. Like it was sold out. And I, the uh, woman at the front desk said, Hey, we've got one ticket left. If you, if like these people in line want to buy a ticket. And then they were like, at least five seats probably empty in that theater. It was bizarre. I mean, people who say that they're, I mean, how many, how many of the trial and movies you've bought tickets to have you actually shown up for? Because I'm hovering at like 60%. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm sure, but yeah. uh, Something else I like, you had pointed this out, Jason afterwards. Like it felt like the cuts between the reels were a feature, right? Like the, the like immediate big smash cuts worked so well with the, like, the um formality of this movie that it felt like they were planted there and like i don't i don't know how they could have been right like i don't know if that's possible but like it was really really cool to see it on film it worked um and also to to cody's point like i fucking that scene is so good when konakawa is in his dream he's like mansplaining movies to pep because it's like okay here we have a director who is making a movie where the woman of his dreams, both literally the detective's dreams, and also like the director made this woman of his dreams in this movie, is explaining filmmaking to a clearly bemused sort of uninterested woman and it's like it's literally satoshi Kone doing that meme of the guy at the uh at the baseball game who's like holding that woman's neck and like doing the like explainer it's so funny it's like man like even it like really satoshi Kone's dearest dream for like what it would mean for like sexual or emotional satisfaction is just to have a pretty woman to explain movies <laughs> to. And it's like, damn dude, relatable, Big um, <laughs> relatable. I, I, I will say of that scene particularly, uh, and we'll come back to Cody's thoughts in a sec, but in, the, in that scene particularly, 
doing a little bit more research and like knowing what uh, Akira Kurosawa like dressed like and appeared like in his late career, I did yeah. not notice before that he's got the sunglasses and the little like fisherman's cap and shit. Like clearly he's doing the Kurosawa thing in yeah, that scene. Yeah, I did like not 100%. think about that until this watch. I fucking loved that though. I love that, uh, that little just visual gag. Um, I love the idea that, that in Japan people make fun of Kurosawa the way that Americans make fun of Spielberg where he's just like the stand in for directors. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Uh, Cody, I'm sorry. We cut you off real hard there about no, film. I was done. Yeah, I'm not done. Scene, so, uh, no, Eric, no, I'm I'm good. Any Konakawa thoughts? The detective. Uh, his story is a little. It feels like weirdly detached when you kind of yeah. sit back and think about it. Well, yeah, I guess it's yeah. fine. I, I don't really have a problem with it. That's kind of. I don't know. Other than that, it does. Uh, uh, as I mentioned in a Discord post earlier, there there is a shot of him coolly drinking good looking cocktails at a bar so it does elevate the film a little is, bit is that when he's uh, uh he's drinking and he's like i'm sober enough to know that i'm drunk so that means that i'm that's not right sober or i'm not drunk oh man, that's going. true also yeah I'm he's drunk. in the he's fucking internet sober. so i feel he's like on he the you can drink he's as much as you want yeah it's it's nice it would be really funny if they cut back to him just like alone at his desk at in like the the precinct with just like a bottle little, of jameson and he's just like this guy is a fucking problem yeah the worst cop of all time. Oh, uh, boy. No, the worst cop of all time was that time yeah, I bought a fucking heads record at Jaime's. Get it? Why was cop. that? Not good? Worst? No, it was a joke. I was just trying oh, to rile, okay. rile Harry up. I okay. feel like he's a little detached, a little disinterested. Um, uh, no, we're we're coming up on on probably what would you call time for this podcast. If we've gotten this far and uh, have not burned out yet, but are there any final final thoughts? I know we've sort of I opened the floodgates before, but I wonder if any more have churned. Um, anything before we get to the final segment of our show? Um, I shit on this movie pretty hard. I still like it a lot. I oh no, love I love this movie. Cone to death. Yeah, he's an amazing director. Um. R.I.P. Forever, you know, it's like like Cody had said, I'm going to watch this movie probably t- conservatively 20 more times before I die. Right. Like it's just I'm going to see all of Satoshi Kon's movies over and over and over again. And that's because I love him and I love the stuff that he does. Um, so, yeah, uh, good stuff. I mean, I every time I see one of his movies, I think about the world and my relationship to other people differently um, in a good way. And that also hit me this time um mm-hmm. and that feels good i i don't really like it to be quite honest <laughs> i don't really like it. look i was had jason at the beginning of the pod like look we're gonna change up we're gonna change up the structure of this bad boy we're doing more topic focus and i'm like good i don't have to do the thing where i give my thoughts and it's like eh, i don't really like the movie very much but i you know it's not Oh, now, where, have you seen all of them now, uh, Aaron, or have you just seen? No, I haven't seen Millennium Actress, which I've heard is very good. It's quite good. Um, um, it is. Okay, yeah, so I've, I've heard really steals from Slaughterhouse Five, but uh, we'll have to, to uh, yeah. check that out yeah, when we get uh, there. But no, I, I here's, here's steal the from Slaughterhouse Five. <laughs> You're making yeah, a joke. Um, anyway, I'm like, I'm no, like, yeah, um, no, but uh, look, here's the thing: you you can't really. I don't. I'm not like shitting on this movie. Uh, because you can't shit on it because there, there's something about two things. One, just like every aspect of the, like the technical like creation of this film is like flawed. Like it just aesthetically and the the music and everything, it's like really great. It, it holds like such a I think like commanding space and like anime in general, and also like I don't know, just like you know, it's one of those films like uh, I don't know, Primer or something that is like you want to start getting into kind of trippy films. Like here's one to check out. And it's quite yeah. a bit better than Primer. 
Um, but uh, yeah, there's something. It feels kind of bad to like shit on it in any way. Uh, and also something about like a really well constructed, specifically uh, like hand drawn animated film feels bad to shit on it because it's like yeah. there were forty guys just like. 14 hour days putting yeah, in work to make to make images move around um, it's the shadowy inverse of my neighbor totoro where you're like wait yeah. a minute like when you consider the work put into my neighbor totoro my neighbor totoro becomes like the greatest achievement in art <laughs> yeah. history or it's like it's yeah. up there it's like but what happened what what if my neighbor totoro was bad it's like oh <laughs> yeah. shit like uh, it would still be really really great guys Oh, that being boy. said, I am excited to see Millennium Actress. I've heard it's very good. I'm excited for you to see it. Um, well, Cody, uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, so I'm trying to leave some airtime if there's anything that you oh, want to say. Oh, cool. Uh, no, I mean, any any film that references Roman Holiday is going to be a high floor situation. Ooh. So That is also, it's so funny because like when they're in the movie theater, it's like three fake movies side by side. And then the fourth one is just Roman Holiday <laughs> with just like a like a picture perfect re- recreation of Audrey he- Aubrey Hepburn uh, and Gregory Peck as the poster. And it's like, wait, so like in the Paprikaverse. Roman well, Holiday is still yeah. a movie, which means that all of those people are still people, and et cetera, et cetera. It's very good. Right. I I guess my last thought is an, an anecdote from our viewing experience. So I completely forgot that they reenacted the scene from Roman Holiday in The Detective's Dream, where they're at like a, uh, a dance party, and these people come to like take Audrey Hepburn back to the castle. She's a princess. Roman Holiday. We'll, we'll maybe cover, cover that some other time, John. If you listen, Ooh, I hope hey, so. That'd be a, that'd, that'd be, be really good, cool. Yeah. Great if you if you show that. Great um, movie. But like, yeah. So like, she's you know hitting people on the heads with with guitars, and I, and I was just like, oh my god, I, I forgot that they recreated that scene, and I gasped. I audibly gasped. <laughs> um, I don't know if J- Jason was sitting next to me. I don't I know if you it. heard me. I heard gasp, it. But uh, but yeah, and then later they show you right the poster for Roman Holiday, and like. It, Jason, you know, looked over and did like that eyebrow thing that he does. And I was like, oh, yeah, I gasped earlier because I forgot that Roman Holiday is like uh, a, 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 it plays it plays the smallest of parts in this movie. Um, and I couldn't and help yet but it, it looms make, large. Yeah. 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 yeah I just yeah. wonder why he chose that movie of all movies. It's very good. It's very funny. It but I it's yeah. I mean, I guess Satoshi Kon, uh, we stand a king with good taste in movies wonder if he ever got to write anything down it I, I have started wondering over the course of the series like if there are any like posthumous journals or essays or anything because he wrote a lot uh but not like a lot about his own films so i wonder if there's anything yet to come um now that there's like maybe 2020 or 2021 was the conaissance with you know increased uh showings of his movies and new blu-ray releases and stuff i'm wondering if there's if there's more to come uh we all we can do is keep our fingers crossed man there is that documentary you like shit just one in bag yes i did i did say the reconnaissance does that no that's good i like it uh so that we'll finish our episode on uh, paprika uh, discussion proper but um i do want to remind you to go to the uh website uh, trilon.org to buy tickets to the final showing of um millennium actress we've got uh i'm not i'm not skipping the fucking cody's note he's stopping me with his bizarre <laughs> what eyes so, this is the, i've never <laughs> seen you do this before i am charging you with forgetting and trying to recover is what i think is happening here I am i, I said, correct or not? This, i don't this finishes our discussion on paprika 
this does finish our discussion on Paprika, but Millennium okay. Actress is playing this coming week. Uh, if you're listening to this, this at or near release, go to trilon.org, find tickets to it. And if not, it's available on Blu-ray. It's available streaming somewhere. Uh, just go ahead and watch it. Uh, it's, it's really good. And, you know, all of your nerdy anime friends will appreciate uh, and have something new to talk to you about. Um, but that does not conclude this episode of Trial of it, just, it concludes the discussion of the film upon which this episode is predicated. You see what I did there? Uh, this this great fumble recovery there, Daphnis. Um, I should play football. This next episode is going to be introduced by our own Harry Mackin. Yes, thank you. And also you, and also perhaps you, the listener at home, play along if you want. We won't be able to hear you, but I would appreciate it anyway. Uh, this is the section that we like. You know, maybe I'll see you in my dreams, you know, if we're all sort of dreaming about the noties together. Um, this is the segment that we like to call <gasps> Cody's Noties. Was that Thank you, gentlemen. Oh, that was pretty bad practice. Really, the, right your head. The, the voices did not clip. I think for the first time, maybe ever, I was actually I I like <laughs> I was I like looking at my notes and I like it's shot I over. I don't mute wow. myself anymore, so I don't cut myself off in the middle of my. Ah, <laughs> uh, very good. Got his own ass. Uh, well, yeah, I I don't know. I I think well, Zencaster just upgraded. I don't know if Jason had the auto tune filters on. That's cheating. Uh, but if you didn't have it on. <laughs> Very good, gentlemen. That was a very dreamy introduction. Um, this week, gonna try, gonna try our hand at a new segment. Um, we'll see how it goes. It should feel familiar in concept, uh, and that is that of fuck, marry, kill. And luckily, it's, uh, luckily for everyone, um, just I, I kept the secret from you guys. But I actually went to a rummage sale a few weeks ago, um, and I, I found this rare add-on. To fuck Mary Kill. Um, they only made one of these, uh, which is wild. I, w- I was astounded that I landed upon this. It's the Trial of Expansion Pack to fuck Mary Kill, um, which is my elaborate way of saying we'll be doing fuck Mary Kill, but with movies uh, instead of instead of okay. people, which the game is classically done about. Um, so I again, I, I have no idea how this will go, but my initial conception uh, about the premise of fuck Mary kill trial of expansion pack edition is, you know, fuck might refer to a movie that aligns with, um, you know, a particular emotional highs or lows, maybe isn't as set up for repeat viewings, uh, viewing experiences, or is Mary, uh, a Mary pick might refer to, you know, a movie you're likely to want to revisit and pick up new things from and kill might be the absence of those things, or it might just be, you know, the odd one out. Um, so just, throwing some ideas out there. Maybe you guys have different ideas and I would love to hear more about those ideas as we get into the exercise. So what I've done is I picked just a few movie trios that we can work through. Uh, I'll throw out the movies and um, I don't know, we can just go like classic alphabetical by first name order. So Aaron, Harry, Jason, that makes sense. Cause I know Aaron loves uh, ranking movies, making lists, categorizing love making uh, lists. movies. He's he all about so tired. Uh, all also, try, trying to fuck my uh, my uh, uh, Blu-ray discs has not worked yet. But hey, try downloading well, a UHD, buddy. Yeah, I mean, physically the fit is there, right? It's got that ring in the middle. Um, we don't have to get into that. Of it. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I want to make it more explicit because it's a Monday evening. I regret uh, that joke yeah, before so it came I'll, out of my mouth. Sorry, continue. Mary kill continue. a GameCube disc, baby. <laughs> I said oh, that like Tony Lord. Soprano, Aaron. I regretted that joke before it came out of my mouth. <laughs> came out of my mouth. <laughs> Cody, please, please. Yeah, I'll throw out the I'll throw out the, the movie trios. You give your designations. Talk to your thought process in any ways that you want to. We'll see how this goes. There are no points. There are no trivia mafia rules. It, it just it, as we said earlier, they're just vibes. Um, 
So the way that this connects to paprika is very extremely flimsy. So my thought process was, you know, I knew Inception was going to come up. So I was like, oh, wow, yeah, uh, Inception, Christopher Nolan. I don't know if I necessarily feel like having us go through and rank his movies, but like we could do Fuck, Mary Kill with like Inception and two similar Chris Nolan movies. And then I was going through the titles and I was like, I don't actually know if the fellas like what their what their um, uh, mileage is with his filmography. But there's also a very tailor made trio of Chris Nolan movies for us to go through. So that's sort of our starting point. Um, that's that's the the roadmap from Paprika to Inception to Chris Nolan to his Batman trilogy. So our first fuck Mary mm-hmm. kill Batman begins the dark Knight. the dark Knight rises. Aaron, if you feel up to going first based on just like knee jerk reaction yeah, thoughts good. and talking yeah, through it. things, not even a question. Okay, perfect. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. Uh, here's the thing. So I have not actually seen Batman begins since it came out. And I've always been like, eh, everybody's always like, Oh, that one's actually pretty good. Like maybe go watch Batman. Begins. Uh, so I, I would put Batman begins in the, the, the fuck section here. Um, be just because like, I feel like I should watch, just watch that one more time. And then I, I probably don't need to revisit it after that. Uh, Mary, I mean, uh, the dark Knight's the best of those movies. So I, I guess you gotta, you know, I, I'm not like rewatching any of these all the time at all, but I think if you have to, you, you marry that one. Uh, and then dark Knight rises is a bad movie. It's a bad, uh, bad movie that I, I saw in theaters and the, uh, the, like the base and the sound did not come through for like the first 30 minutes. Like Ooh. clearly no one else in the theater could like realize what they're like. Something's a little odd, you know, like that kind of a thing. And I was just like the plane scene. And it's just like stuff that like, you know, it was like, uh, like playing <laughs> Call of Duty with like, yeah, with like your TV speakers. You know what I mean? I was just like, oh, this is awful. And then they kicked it. And I was like, oh, this is, I guess, fine. Fellas, but, imagine playing Call of Duty with your TV speakers. Oh, like, yeah. Instead of a, instead of a nice of sound bar. Right? Instead of a nice sound <laughs> bar playing, in Subwoofer. Imagine playing video course. games. Am I right? Uh, you are right. Imagine Ooh, that. Cody. The crowd yeah. goes wild. Okay. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Fuck, Mary kill. Batman Begins, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, in that order. Very good, Aaron. Uh, Harry, wh- what do you think about this? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Cody. I think we've talked about our shared fondness for one of these movies before, so this might not surprise you, but... Um, uh, the fuck would be The Dark Knight for me. It's my favorite pro-Patriot Act film. Uh, I think it's a very good movie. Uh, it has some very questionable politics. Um, Heath Ledger, R.I.P., a real one. Uh, I like that movie quite a bit. At least I did when I saw it many, many moons ago. Um, uh, Mary would be Batman Begins. Love Batman Begins. Don't know why. Just a real big fan of that movie. Um, I think it's my favorite of the trilogy, personally speaking. I played the movie tie-in game where you have to scare dudes into dropping their guns so that you can beat them up. Great stuff. Got me back into Batman after I had taken a hiatus from the bat. Um, And yeah, Kill is going to be The Dark Knight Rises. I like The Dark Knight Rises. It's fine, but it is not good. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoy watching it. I love Tom Hardy's Bane voice, iconic. Uh, Do a Bane love, voice, please. Oh God, uh, you can't really do it over a microphone. <laughs> what is he? Okay, that sounded like yeah. evil C three PO. Okay. Yeah, R two D two. Excuse me, evil R two D two. But yeah, that's what I got. Uh, I want to I want to fuck the Dark Knight. I want to marry Batman Begins, and I'll kill Dark Knight Rises. All right, and uh, Jason, let the games begin. What are you picking? Uh, I'm, I'm being um, the now. Can fuck <laughs> How do you can, know that was his the, most famous line? Can the fuck can the oh, fuck make me feel better about a movie? 
Like if if I fucking do, I feel uh, better about it. If you're it. doing it right, baby. Because I because I feel like Dark Knight Rises is the one that I need to feel better about. Like I I feel like I felt like everybody else felt about the first two movies. Like That's the not first really one how was, this works, but. was a fun was a fun take. The second one was like, oh, this is like actually a very well made movie. And the third one was like, you're never going to. It was like the Uncharted three of the trilogy. It's just like you're you're not. You couldn't make it better, so you it was, it was that and Hobbit, like that came out. I remember the trailers for both those, and it was like, "These are going to be the greatest movies of all time." More Lord of the Rings, another Batman well, movie. Were. It's like, oh no, yeah, oh no. shit. Um, <laughs> for that reason, uh, I feel like I could be convinced that Dark Knight Rises is a better movie than it is. I'm going to say, "Fuck Dark Knight Rises." Uh, Mary Dark Knight. Everybody loves that movie, and Kill Batman Begins. I feel like um, I feel like I've seen enough Killian Murphy. Uh, that guy can go straight to hell. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah wow. For sure. Yeah. What? Ooh. No. What? Real freak. Killian Murphy Real fucking rules. What are you talking about? I saw him in Man, uh, in that Peaky Blinders show. He's way too. He, he's trying too hard. Um, this so is anti-Irish discrimination. There's no wrong answer, baby. <laughs> he's trying too hard. <laughs> Yeah, I hate to hate to see a man doing his job. Isn't that right, Daphnis? I've given my answers. All right. Um I well, and I guess I'll give mine. Um I uh, I'd get heckled if I didn't. Um my so uh, I'll say first my Mary is Batman Begins. Um solidarity with Batman Begins. It's the I haven't seen these movies in a while either, but bat, uh in, in a while also, but um Batman Begins is the one that I think about most frequently wanting to go back and revisit. And for the others, listen, Dark Knight is a, a better movie than Dark Knight Rises, but fitting fitting the category, Dark Knight Rises is a we it's a very weird movie. Um, it is, it's a little it's, freak of a movie. It, it is, it is. A, well, it's a big bloated freak of a movie because it's <laughs> like almost three hours and it has a lot of, it, it has probably the most if memory serves, like the most star power, like a lot of misused stars, which I think yeah. for like a one-time viewing is really powerful. And so fitting that rationale, I think I got to go. My fuck is dark Knight rises, which leaves dark Knight uh, for the kill category. Again, Spicy. dark Knight. Dark, Dark Knight, better movie, but I'm just, I, I gotta go with You're uh, in love with the weirdos. You know, heart of the card situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank yeah, you for giving your Paul answer, Dino Cody. Cody. I was gonna ask. He's just simping for Marion Coldyard. I see you, Cody. Whomst among us would not simp for Marion Coldyard, who is, again, completely <laughs> misused and not like a particularly interesting character. <laughs> you ever, did you but, see um, there was that tweet of like yeah. her death scene in that movie being like, this actually came out in a major motion picture, and I forgot how bad that death scene is oh boy i've not seen the tweet but i can visualize that scene who does she and, play um, in that movie movies. i just can't Rachel al, al ghul spoilers for uh, dark knight Rises. she's much better in inception so you can go watch her there listen i think that i'm pretty sure there's good. a scene where she's like standing out in the rain on bruce wayne's like doorstep and she gets brought in she's sitting in front of a fire that that I say no more. That movie is my fuck pick. John. She, <laughs> she has this really sick line where um, Bruce Wayne says that, oh, at least they're letting me keep the house. And she goes, the rich don't even go broke like everybody else. And I was like, oh, <laughs> really good stuff. Great delivery. Uh, good that's stuff, man. It's not a good movie. It's, it's you know. Yeah. Uh, a soft spot for it. Um, I got two more here. Two more trios. Uh, this next trio for... Fuck Mary Kill, Dry Love style, baby. Uh, we've got No Country for Old Men, Fargo, and The Big Lebowski. I see. I see. The wheels are churning, and Aaron's nodding. 
Here's the thing. I've seen No Country. New Con- no Country used to be like, I considered it one of my favorite movies, like top whatever, you know, Aaron barely watching movies, you know, that was like, oh, this is like the best. Uh, I think I, I, I don't know if I would get anything out of it with a, a rewatch at this point, uh, but I do like it better than Fargo. And I also like Big Lebowski better than Fargo. So I'm going to I'm going to fuck. No country. I'm going to marry the big Lebowski and I'm going to kill Fargo, which is maybe like the hottest, you know, I don't know. I, I'm going to be honest, Fargo. I don't know if it's top five Coen Brothers movie for me, which is like, you know, anyway, that's I mean, what I got. Sensible take for a Chicago resident. <laughs> that's right. I, you know, I've moved past when I, when I became an adult, I put away childish things like movies. He sees, he sees, he sees uh, I, blue, the ox and says, I don't give a shit about seeing that. He sees on. the Twin Cities from I-35 and he says, that means right. nothing to me. I've got he a sees, better skyline. He sees skyline the Radisson downtown Minneapolis and he's like, I the don't Radisson. know that place. It's he sees Radisson. the top of the 8th Street parking ramp and he's like, really running I don't know what that place is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, good soup, gentlemen. He Thank sees you. the um, xenophobic <laughs> racism and he's like, that does remind me of home quite a bit. Actually. Yeah, this is actually a weird scene in this <laughs> You're movie. You're bringing me back <laughs> Oh, gross. Uh, Harry, what are your picks? Oh, man, this is a toughie. Um, God, I I guess I feel bad. I I think, fuck Fargo, I don't think it's a top five Coen Brothers for me. Uh, I, I was down on it the first time I saw it, and, and every time I've seen it since, I've liked it more. So I feel I would feel bad killing it. Um Mary No Country, because I've only seen that one once, um, and it is very good. Uh, I'm all about Anton Chigurh um, and his um, funny antics, um, just that rascally character. Um, and I guess I'll kill The Big Lebowski, because I've seen The Big Lebowski like 100,000 times. Um, I like it a lot. I like what it's doing a lot. But like, even the Coen brothers have been like, guys, can we like lay off the the Big Lebowski? It's not even one of our favorite movies. Um, and it's not even in the top five movies that we've made, you guys. Yeah, no, and they're the and they're right. They're probably right. Uh, no, it is just Definitely. justice for Noah brother. <laughs> where art thou? A superior film. I just said that. that to awful awful take. Um, awful. and now it is Jason's turn. Now it is my turn. Um. I'm going to uh uh hmm. I'm gonna fuck <laughs> I'm gonna fuck you had so much time. Yeah, I I know, I know. <laughs> you so much you, time you, to figure this one made, out. You guys make good arguments. Um I haven't he seen He spent all that time thinking about how he's gonna say good I'm arguments. Gonna what are you talking about? So I, have, I haven't <laughs> seen uh No Country enough times, but I did read the book. If the book continues to exist even if hmm. I kill the movie, right? Yes. Okay, sure, why not? Then I'm gonna kill the shit out of no country because i feel like i can get a better experience from the book no offense coen brothers good adaptation not better than the book um i'm gonna marry fargo because i am uh i guess just feel generally better about that and you know i need to be reminded what it's like to be with big lebowski once in a while i've only seen that movie one time and it's before i really understood anything you that it was the going for embrace i need the warm embrace just just, big remi- just remind me how it feels uh, and- a very funny thing about the Big Lebowski, sorry, is that like I used to yeah. watch it with my cousins all the time, and like they had never seen any film noir or any detective stories, and they loved Big Lebowski, and I was always like, "What the fuck are you getting out of this movie?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, for, for your question. for the inverse of your reason, I'm gonna yeah fuck. 
Fuck, uh, Big Lebowski. Nice. Uh, I will also marry Fargo. Um, that, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I could revisit that movie pretty frequently and, and I, comfortably. Um, yeah, that's, uh, like a, a weirdly formative movie for me. No Country and Lebowski are not like formative Cohen brothers pickies. I, I've seen them each like once or twice a piece. And so really it just comes down to like when I saw those, like which, which highs am I, am I down to ride? you know, on an infrequent basis, um, you know, or maybe even just like once more for the rest of my life. And I think I got to ride the highs of no country. That's where my, my heart is gravitating. So I'm going to fuck no country and I'm going to kill Lebowski. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if I saw it at a different time in my life, I would have latched onto that one differently, but I, I saw it. I, I think that when I saw Lebowski. it, like, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I just had to do the, the nihilists. Go ahead. No, I, I, uh, I'm also doing the nihilist. You can't tell, but that's um, that's that's just how I talk. Um, but yeah, that, that's what that's where my, my pickies lie. Uh, we've got one more trio. Um, don't put the 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 weapons away just yet, because we've got uh, a threesome of Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro, and Princess Mononoke. Fuck um, me! You Aaron, son of a bitch! Sorry, re- repeat Aaron, those three again. Aaron, you're, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it, we're 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 fucking one of these, marrying one of these, and killing one of these. It's uh, Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro, and Princess Mononoke. And I should say, I really wish I would have gotten like a screen record of of three of you reacting. Oh to that. God! Because Harry and Jason had very violent reactions, and Aaron was cool as a cucumber. So I'm really looking yeah, forward to to these. Yeah, it's yeah, low stakes you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Harry uh, yeah, Gene Wolfe's three best books. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Okay. All right. Great. Great question. Okay. So no, I'm not actually not going down no. to what I'm going we're, we're to do past here. The paprika runtime. So in order, in order, in order to answer that, I'm going to have to go into a little backstory around all of them. So, <laughs> I dare you. Uh, now, okay. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just do it. Uh, Band-aid it. I want to fuck Totoro. Uh, <laughs> just a. <laughs> You and know, I mean, one hour, 32 minutes and 20 seconds is Totoro nothing if not a tender, tender lover. Right. So, yeah, going Totoro, uh, going to marry uh, Princess Mononoke, uh, the best Studio Ghibli film. And I will uh, kill uh, Spirited Away, which is unfortunate, but it's like you got the top three right there. So what can you do? Yeah, that's true. <sighs> that's true. Uh, Harry with his that. hand on his hips and his, how does that sound? Where is my mind? Uh, Harry, what are your picks? With you, well, I think it's with his, wait, well, how does that go? With his feet on you, hit on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's right, right? I gotta slur <laughs> the words in order to get the song back into, into my mind. Um, I need to watch the entirety uh, of Fight Club in order to remember the lyrics. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, fellas, watch Fight Club. That'll be fun. Um, oh, Lord. I wanna fuck Spirited Away. Um, Mary, my neighbor Totoro. It's my favorite thing. Uh, and I guess I'm gonna kill Princess Mononoke. Jesus, no, that's fine. That is that's arguable. That's arguable. You know what? Yeah, it's arguable. Listen, they are three of no the best winners. Movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, I would rather I would rather kill almost any other movie than Princess Mononoke. But that's not within the the frame of uh, the question. It's true. It's, yeah, these are very Jason. You have tattoos movies. of all of these movies. What? Uh, what are you picking? Uh, uh, I have. No, there's no right. Like I know you said, there's no right answer to this, Cody. But I didn't know you meant it like this. I thought I didn't know you meant that there were only wrong answers Not to like this. this. 
Um, oh man, I gonna gonna have to say I'll I'll fuck Mononoke. It was my second Ghibli film, and the first time that I realized that the guy was a, a, a filmmaker rather than just like oh the guy who made Totoro. We happened happened upon it on the TCM uh, channel as a kid, and my mom was like, "Hey, let's record this because he made Totoro." because we watched Totoro a bunch of kids. Um, so you got to, you got to pay homage to that and give it a good fuck. Uh, Mary Totoro, because if I, if I let go of that movie, if I ever forget it, I, I literally become the most hateful curmudgeon. I might become like a fascist dictator. If I forget what that movie is, just because I, I, I am that horrible without it. Um, Pink Floyd's The Wall, right. but it's about Jason forgetting <laughs> uh, the movie. My neighbor Totoro. <laughs> They're just burning every Blu-ray and DVD copy. Uh, da, da, da. and I guess that leaves we we kill Spirited Away, which is absolutely like I I hate myself for that. I hate the movie for existing and putting me in that space. I hate uh, content for um generating such uh horrible uh, ultimatums that exist like this. Uh, but I do love my friend Cody for putting together a wonderful edition of Cody's Notes. Can we get uh, can we get your Ghibli uh Gib- I don't even know what I'm, I'm not having fun with this. Jason's yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, we're getting down there. Aren't we, it's way past my bedtime. Um, yeah. So I'm happy to say none of us are, are killing Totoro. Um, Totoro is my fuck pick. I think that is probably, uh, my favorite. Um, if Miyazaki, Ghibli, etc. Um, it's, it, it, yeah, without thinking too hard, I think that's tops for me. And I, I'd say I get, I think I, which is weird to say, I've only seen it twice. I was sort of a late bloomer with Totoro, um, but I, I, re- I have obtained like very extreme specific emotional reactions. Whereas when I re- revisit Spirited Away, I sort of envision like a, you know, it's a, a more my reactions are more sprawling and multifaceted. Something new kind of sticks with me each time. So that's I got to go with Spirited Away as my Mary pick, and I don't feel great about it. But I got to kill Mononoke. It's it's the odd one out, and that's just the way. That's just the way the segment crumbles. Um, but yeah, th- thank you. That uh, those are those are the trios. This has been fuck Mary kill. Uh, with the the trial of expansion pack, um, hopefully coming soon to the trial of shop. I've got a patent out. We'll see. We'll see what we can do to to crank crank up more copies. So you can play this uh, this fun game at at home with our our licensing this time. Holy cow! Uh, head to the trial of shop for updates and merch drops. Uh, well, thank you very much, listener, for being uh, privy to this episode of Trial of. Um, again, go to trialon.org to get tickets to the final showing of the Satoshi Kon anime's Great Genius uh, at the Trilon. It is going to be Millennium Actress. And again, all these movies are now finally widely available. Go check them out because, you know, we love all of them. And check out our other episodes once you've checked these movies out. Um, my name is Jason Daphnis. Uh, this is Trilove. You can find us on Twitter at Trilove Podcast. Find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema. Uh, there are a number of uh, ways to give money to the Trilon and to support them uh, in what is hopefully becoming a less less weird time as this year opens up. But uh, yeah, go to go to Trilon.org, buy tickets, buy merch, uh, hit it up sometime. We'll probably be there, um, at least one of us, most weekends. So uh, see us there. Get in touch with us at Trilon. At Jesus, at Trilove Podcast or at Trilove. Uh, podcast at gmail.com i don't really often drop the email so i gotta check in on that account once in a while um but shoot us a dm uh get in touch with us be be friendly um we're you know not we don't strike like vipers uh on the replies but uh, we also don't check that dm box very often i think there's somebody i have to re- respond to actually my name is jason you can find me on twitter at nintendo i love yeah we're, we're just uh letting our 
our community, our DM laundry hanging out to dry on mic. I guess it holds us to a certain standard. That's no, that's good. We should do that more often. So anything, I need to go see. If you're listening to this on the day it releases, Cody needs to go grocery shopping. He needs to find a practice venue for the dumb game he plays. Um, there, uh, I'll, I'll keep it at that. There are probably some other things that I'm forgetting. But I've been Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. This comes out tomorrow, right? This comes out tomorrow. My dad turns 63 tomorrow. Happy birthday, Dad. Hey, uh, hey, if he's listening to this. I don't birthday. think he's ever listened to a single episode of this podcast. <laughs> thank God. Uh, so, But yeah, happy birthday to him. I think we're going to go to the Cheesecake Factory. Uh, long Let's story. Go. Never been. Um, it's a banger yeah. choice. It's a great choice. <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic, you know. Uh, I'm going to have some of that delicious pumpernickel bread that I like so well. Um lore. Sorry this went so long, but, like, listen, it's Satoshi Kone, you know? The Godzillas are going to be long, too. It's, it's the way it is. Uh, I've been Harry. You can find me on Twitter, at Shitaki Harry. My name's Aaron. I have no announcements. You can find me on Twitter, at RBPlease. Even the five-chord ladies danced in sync to the frogs' flutes and drums. The whirlwind of the recycled paper was a sight to see. It was like computer graphics. The fact that I don't support Technicolor Parfaits and snobby petite bourgeois is common knowledge in Oceania. Now is the time to return home to the blue sky. The confetti will dance around the shrine gates, and the mailbox in the refrigerator will lead the way. Anyone who cares about expiration dates will not get in the way of the glory train. They need to fully realize the liver of the triangle rulers. Now this festival was decided by the third grade class with the telephoto camera. Move forward. Come together. I am the ultimate governor. Yeah.